Good morning this morning. Why don't we all stand up? We're going to make a declaration this morning for our series. Now, I want everyone to repeat after me. One, two, three. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. But do not despair either. With God's help. With God's help. With God's help. You will. You will. I will. He will. She will. They will. Get through this. Get through this. Get through this. In the name of Jesus, get a lot of hand clap. You may be seated. Your first time coming. I want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Rich, lead pastor here, and I want to welcome our guests this morning. We're going to start in the book of Genesis, chapter 39. If you know, we've been the last few weeks. We've been in chapter 37. Now we're moving to 39. We're skipping 38 because that's a different significance. It actually talks about the, the uh, tribe of Judah and how wicked it was with the head guy. But you know what? Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. So we don't want to go into that, and we're going to go right into 39 and continue talking about Joseph. Now, we're going to look at the journey of Joseph. We know he was sold down by his uh, brothers, picked up, going ahead, heading down to Egypt, and now we're going to the part two of his journey, starting in verse 1, and we'll break this up. It'll be 1 through 21, but we'll break it up. It's now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and part of her, the officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, born from the Ishmaelites, who brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. You want to circle that. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight and attended to him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from that time He made him overseer in his house over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. You want to circle that. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now, Joseph was a handsome in form and appearance. You say, this is in the Bible like a novel, isn't it? He was handsome in appearance. Kind of looked like me. Just kidding. Uh, Right, honey? It's very important if you say yes, honey. All right. We're going to get through this. And after a time, his master's wife cast eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Now, if you don't know what that means, in today's learn, have sex with me. Okay, we said this morning. We see the story of Joseph going down, we talked about last week, going down into Egypt. Being sold. Now we see him being sold to Potiphar. Today's message is this, stupid won't fix stupid. <laughs> stupid will not fix stupid. Reason why, you see where you can say Joseph has had a hard time. And Certain things happen to you when you're going through something. And if you make decisions 
in an emotional state or without God's hand, you'll continue to make the wrong decisions. And this story is put in here to show us even when things are going south in your life, regardless what it is, and there's a lot of them, we have to know what God wants us to do next so we don't make one stupid decision after another. We always see people, you know, we can't be judgmental people. He said, you keep picking the wrong person because they're not making the right choices in the right frame of mind. Okay? We see Joseph here. One of the key things you see, Joseph is in Parvis' house. Now, this is over 11 years span. About 11 years, about a couple years. But he's there. And one thing I noticed with this story, when you start verse 39, it said, the Lord was with Joseph. And it really resonated with me because you know, guys, through divorce, through death, through uh, a bad diagnosis, through either getting ripped off or being disappointed or being depressed, whatever it is, you know one thing we can guarantee with all of us, those who know Jesus, the Lord is with us. Isn't that, isn't that comforting? That we're not alone. He is with us. And he has his hands upon us and he's leading us. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but all the time he's there. And we see here with Joseph, when you look at all the blessings, and though he was blessed by God, because he was blessed by God, the whole house was blessed. Part of a sword. It's amazing when you're walking in the blessings of God, which is every day. People see you different. They guys, I need to hang out with them because they're, they're, doing pretty, they're doing pretty well. What is their secret? Well, here, he saw that the Lord, he saw the Lord. Now, this is the Egyptian who serves a lot of gods. They, you saw, you look at Exodus, and you look at all the different plagues that were attacked against every god that Egypt had. And to the one true God got the children of Israel out. He wrote us, noticed the one God, the, the God as a Hebrew in the Egyptian house, the Lord was with him. He can see that. So he benefited from it. And guys, wherever you're working, whatever you're doing here in society, people are benefiting. Your company is, your marriages, your, your campus is benefiting because you're there. How do I know that? If you go to Genesis 12, 1, I mean, uh, Genesis 12, verses 2 to 3. When he gave the Abrahamic covenant, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you in verse 2. In verse 3, he says, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And he said, that's an old story. No, because if you go to Galatians chapter 3, it talks about we are under the covenant of Abraham's blessing. So regardless how you feel, if you're sick, things aren't going right. Here's a, here's a, a news flash. You are blessed. You're blessed. And we see in this story, not someone going through some rough times, which he is, but we start to see God's faithfulness to his promises. Joseph knew his great-grandfather's ways and how he trusted God. So Joseph would take a step the way his great-grandfather did and believing and trusting God, regardless if there's no money in the bank, regardless if your wife walked out, regardless if your husband walked out on you, you're still blessed. He saw that. I'm in this place that I didn't ask to be, and I'm blessed. 
Not, it's not easy to have that mindset. But the other thing was, he realized that he can get nothing accomplished without God being with him. For God to be with us, we need to acknowledge that he is with us. For God to be with us, that's a theological truth. For us to recognize and walk with God is a human choice. What happens when we go through issues, we walk, try to walk away from God. But that does not stop him from wanting to walk with you. Because he always took the first step when he brought his only begotten son. Let's move down. You ever notice, and we're seeing this with, during the time of blessing or your time, Joseph had the nerve, he can really have the attitude, I'm discouraged, I'm tired, I'm worn out. Well, there's an adversary that we deal with every day. His name is Satan. He waits to find those who are tired, discouraged, disconnected, disillusioned. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this. We got to be sober-minded and watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That word devour means to drink down. To drink down. That means Joseph had to be sober-minded and watchful of part of his wife. Temptation. We all have to be sober-minded, even in the tough times, and be watchful because God will send something in the arm. Look, light looks good, but it's not good. It's not good. Being sober-minded, because this is a subject we're talking about today, every one of us sitting in these chairs deal with. We can't say, I'm immune to that. The minute you say that, you're going to fall for it. And you see the poverty's wife says, sleep with me. And Joseph got to be tired going in and out. She's, and as she says, every day, she's chasing him down for 11 years, every day. Sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me. Got to do my work. I got to do my work. And you know, and, and when you're in a situation like that, it's easy to justify it's easy to rationalize falling. Easy at this time to, I guess I'll just have an affair on my husband. I'll have an affair on my wife. Or I'll just get into drugs. He'll send people around, hey, why don't you try this drug? Hey, you're not doing well on your taxes? Why don't you just cheat? I know how to do that. We can get you some more money this year. Easy when you're tired and disillusioned. That he, that's when he prowls. One of my, my pastor, Pastor Kevin York, says this. He says, everyone has a bullet that we can get killed with, and Satan knows that bullet. And he will use that bullet, whatever that is. Here's some of the excuses that we can use. No one would know. I won't get caught. And that's been, if you've been watching the news lately, 
Everyone's been getting caught. Broke my heart, a man had to go up in front of the public, one of our coaches in, in Texas, and, dis, and display something. I don't know why he did it. Really, it's him between him and his wife, but he knows the public, once you get a hold of something, they'll blow him up in the, in the, in the pages. 42 years of marriage. I bet you thought it would never happen to him. I'm only human. It won't hurt anyone. Here's the one you hear. I deserve to be happy because he or she makes me happy. That makes me happy. No, that destroys things. King David, at the top of his game, king, got his kingdom, decided to stay home from a battle. And he was getting old. And some of his, if you look up in the Bible, some of his advisors would say, Dave, stay out. Dave, you're getting a little old. You're slipping. Stay out of our way. He stayed home, ran to Bathsheba, and looked outside. And you know I'm talking about? One stupid decision after another. Temptation, he enacted on it. Came back. She shows up. They sleep together. She gets pregnant. Here's a good plan. Let's bring her husband back from the field and have her sleep with him within the next few days. And then we can say that the baby is his. Well, the problem is David called back a man who was following the king who said in those days, if the army was out in the, in the valley fighting, anyone who came home would not be, he said, I would not honor my men by sleeping in my own house when they're sleeping in tents. So he acted like David would have acted. And he tried it one night, well, get him drunk, and we'll get him over there. He didn't go, slept outside. <laughs> tried again, he didn't go, slept outside. Number three, send him out to your, send him out, Joab, let him go out to the front. His name is Uriah. Let him go out to the front. And y'all saying, this is in the Bible? Yes, it is. And this is, this is God's man. Go out front. You guys pull back, and then he'll take it, the hit. He's dead now. So it's nine months past. This is King David. One stupid mistake until a guy named Nathan showed up and said, David, that's you. And David repented, but he still had some consequences. Lost a child. Child died. He prayed, but the child that Bathsheba had died. The reason why I shared that story is because sin, sexual sin or sexual immorality destroys the lives of people who aren't in the bedroom. See, Uriah wasn't in the bedroom. It destroyed his life. One thing we learned reading this material and uh, we had the author, Max Licato, said this. He learned this from his coach. He said, think of the, thing, the people you will destroy if you committed the act. Enlist them. List them. Would your wife be destroyed if she found out you're watching porno? Wives, would your husband be destroyed when you're on the chat room? Think of all the people you will destroy if we step over the line. And that's what happened to David, with David. 
one decision costs a man's life. And you say, it's like a domino effect. It just goes down and keeps on. How do you get all the way, how do you get death in the middle of, because one decision after another decision costs a man his life. Now, God's grace, this is David, King David, a man after God's own heart. That's why we can't, I'll never fall for that. I'll never fall. You ever say that? You're going to fall for it. You're probably in it. You know, if you, if you go to work and you can't wait to see her, who's her? And she can't wait to see you every single day. And y'all look forward to seeing each other at the water cooler, whatever it is. You're in it. You're so far in it, you don't understand it. You know, so I'm telling you, you need to pull you out with a hook. He or she. And you start talking to her about things you talk to your wife about. And she starts talking to you about what your husband's... You're, you're so far into it, you need to get cut ties right now. You're destroying your life. You're destroying the people behind you. And if you have children, you're destroying them. So you got to be serious about this stuff. And the reason why he put this in, the, God put this story in the, in the Bible is because he knew when we get into those intense moments, Satan shows up and brings something out of it and tries to make, cross us off and cross us up. And then you get, it gets so bad, then you have a new revelation from the world. Hey, an affair just really strengthened my marriage. Really? Really? I can say that. Really? Try it in my house. It will kill you. <laughs> Capital K, I, L, L, and then we'll get away with it. Sorry, hon. Am I on it? Right? By death do his part. If it's on my part, I'm dying early. <laughs> amen. She said, Amen. <laughs> hey, I'm a free man. I know my I know my boundaries. Let's look at David's response. Because he didn't think about the other. He thought about the other people, thought about his, his, his master, but he also was amazing with his answer. Verse 8, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in the house, he has put everything that is, has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept, me back, kept back anything from me except yourself because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He elevated it. And he had, as he spoke, and as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Look what happened to Joseph. He elevated. I am not just sinning against her or my master. Really, ultimately, I'm sinning against God. Me and Elder Mark were talking in the back this morning. We're uh, so excited about what's going on in sports today. You're saying, what? This seems like a disaster. No, they're actually now for the first time taking character and putting it first versus talent. And I'm liking it when it happens in the body of Christ because everyone, I'm a minister, but look at your character, brother, sister. You a minister? 
It's not what you say, it's what you do. But it isn't about what you do to the church. It's about sin against God. And this was his response. And, you know, here's the one point today. In all this, whenever you attack with temptation, anything, do this one thing. Do this one thing. Do what pleases God. So, Pastor Rich, no, just do what pleases God. Not what pleases man. Please what, what pleases God. Whenever it comes upon you, you have to do what pleases God. Because every day we can wake up, we can be a, we're a target for temptation. We are. But we got to make the choice to do what pleases God. Psalm 4-5 in the New Century version says, um, version says this. Do what's right as a sacrifice to the Lord and trust the Lord on that. Reason why David didn't fall, I mean, Dayton, I'm sorry, um, Joseph didn't fall, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. He spent time with him. And it was noticeable because they noticed it. Potiphar noticed it. And he, when he said this, he really was, when he talked about sin against God, he said this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. Or oh, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own. And what he's talking about is wherever we go as a believer, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit who resides in us. So if we go off track, it's not like God, you say, God, uh, can you turn your back? You're taking him with you. And we had an old professor said, gentlemen, whatever you're doing, always evaluate it this way. Is Jesus pleased with this? Would he be hanging with you watching this show? Would he be hanging with you reading those Harlequin romance books? And ladies, those guys don't exist, okay? <laughs> We're cavemen. That's what you're going to get. Now, you clean up the caveman. I cleaned up pretty well. We're not in those books. It just doesn't happen that way. I'm trying to help your marriage out. I teach you, show you how to, don't, yeah, I'm telling you, we don't exist. We're cavemen. Anyway, <laughs> everybody says, I'm not, admit it, she knows you are. Anyway, you're not your own. The Holy, wherever I go, the Holy Spirit is in me. So I'm grieving the Spirit. I'm grieving God. And I remember I shared a story a few months back about how I didn't get in trouble so much because uh, I was worried about getting the spanking. I just really had an image in my mind of my mother's face frowning if she had to bail me out of jail. Frowning when I disappointed her. I didn't want to disappoint her. It wasn't about the spankings. It was about, and it's like when you're walking with God, I don't want to disappoint God. Now, he will redeem me, but I don't want to walk with that conscience. I'm grieving the Holy Spirit because I'm walking with him. And, he's, and you all, oh, when you're walking into something, he's telling you, that's not it. That's not it. But your feelings override. It feels good. feels right. Who's going to know? No one will find out. That's what our flesh says. And the Spirit says, no, pull back. Pull back. And Joseph places loyalty above the lust. He places loyalty to God above the lust. He says, it's not easy. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. What makes a Christian effective Christian is the character. 
not the words we shoot out. We can speak the language and go home and beat our wives. We can speak the language and go cheat a man out of money. We can speak the language and just don't take care of your children. The language is great, but people look beyond the language. Your message is credible because you're credible. And as you're deeper, people will see how deep you are. So what he was saying was, me and God's walk, he's right here with me, with us now, the greater covenant. He's in, if you're Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's inside of you. Now, if you don't know him, you need to get to know him. But he's walking beside you, hoping that you will come to the revelation of the truth of who he really is. So look at the rest of this story. You're saying, how did this, I missed chapter 39. This is like reading a movie. Greatest movie on the planet. God's word. It says this, but one day, verse 11, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men in the house were there. Guys, stop right there. (laughs) The wives are saying, yeah, I told you. I told you. I told you. Yeah. Women too. Don't be alone. In the house, she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in his hand and fled. Now, we can have a Bible story where fled means, but we don't need to. And got out of the house. As soon as he saw that he left his garment in, the hand, in her hand, he fled out of the house. She called the men of the household and said to him, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard and lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and, I, and, and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up, garment, laid up the garment by until her master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment behind me, beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as the master heard the words of his wife, he spoke to him, and this is the way, uh, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with who? And showed him what? And gave him what? And decide the keeper of the prison. Guys, it doesn't matter where you are right now. It has nothing to do with God's eternal love and blessings upon you. Where you are right now does not determine where you're going to be in your final destiny. Don't, don't, park your, don't park your car there. You're going through something. It does not take away what God has put in you and how much he loves you. And he still, he went from there to there. And it's amazing. He went, if you would call today's language, he went to federal prison. The one the tax evaders go to, we have the, the uh, couches and the, uh, the sleep aid. Everything's in there, you know. Then that federal prison, you just, you just embezzled all this money, but you're going to go to federal prison versus hard knocks. You didn't go to Sing Sing. You went to the best place. Makes you wonder because the penalty was death. Makes you wonder what Potiphar was thinking. 
Is this the first time I heard this? He warrant death. He got the prison that I owned and got a new position. So he's still under my care. See the sovereignty and the goodness of God? Regardless if you do the right thing. It seems like sometimes you do the right thing and it seems like it's the wrong thing because you have a negative results. Don't look at those results. Just look at you know that God's taking you to another place. It's interesting. First, you know, and again, he did the right thing. He, fl- he, he fled. He left. He ran. If you look up the word flee, it means run. He took off. I like the way God made it simple for temptation. He says run. Now, you don't have to have a six-week Bible study to know what running means. <laughs> Let me give you an example about running. Me and a friend of mine were going up to Camp Butman to get ready for Marcus Pittman. It's me and Marcus Pittman. Get ready for a men's weekend. We're walking, and we're just having a good time. We're going to see where the men are going to play football. We walk out. A little snake jumps up, goes, whoosh, and I'm telling you, I outran him. Because brothers don't do snakes. But I'm talking about brothers, not just black and white, because he was right behind me. And we were hauling. Because we... And the guy shows up. He says, where is it? Well, next time, can you stand around and... What? Stand around? No, no, no. We're not standing around. We don't do that. We're manly men. We run. That's the same what that word means. Drop everything. Drop your pride. Drop whatever it is, because when I am weak, he is strong, and I'm gone. Give me a snake. Give me a mouse. (laughs) Not doing it. This dog knows mouse came in the house. Her and Sterling. It's a mouse in the house. I'm sleeping. I woke up. I said, where? They're laughing, eating breakfast. I went to Lowe's (laughs) and found four traps and put them behind the refrigerator. Magnetic. I mean, it was one of those snaps. It was one of them glue things. He had to get through there because he's going to die today. And I said, okay, I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm going to go put those electronic pulses around here. Now, if you don't know, back in the church there, they said we had some. I put pulses all around this building. So when they got close, their ears will blow up their leave. They're not coming in here. Put a guard against it. You're not getting in my house. Gave you a point. Whatever your board is, you got to put a guard on there. You got to... You got to know who you, <laughs> I'm not getting, no, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with this, and I can't deal, it's a guard. Here's my point guard, right, here's my guard, Miss Donna Brown, that's my guard, and she blocks hard. Every woman, a man, need a guard. Set it up. They got things on the end, set it up to keep us from being engaging that. And there's nothing wrong with that. She's seen us running that day. And if you see Marcus, he's going to deny it. (laughs) Reason why I said that, 
God gave me a way out of the snake and the mouse. It's out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, no temptation has overtaken that's not common to man. But here's what it is. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will what? That you may be able to what? Not be free of it, endure it. Because he knows every day you get up, there's an opportunity. Endure it. Set those traps. Block that off. Don't settle what the world wants to invade your house. It's crazy. But you will be surprised what comes in your doors every day. Some of the magazines for the ladies. You put this in the mailbox, it goes straight to the trash. You don't want to plan in your mind. And the other guard is the word of God. When something comes upon you, which can be about two to three minutes, spend two or three minutes in the word. And if that ain't working, spend two, three minutes on the phone and talk to somebody. He put this in the bomb because he knew this is the one thing that will destroy nations and destroy a people. Sexual immorality. When he's talked about here, there's the nature, children of Israel from idolatry to all those things kept them from going into the promised land. Those three things, if you look at chapter 10, verse, chapter 10 talking about the children of Israel, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, read that when you get home. It's all about that. He's talking about God, but God is faithful. Not me. I'm not good enough, but he is. And he always gives you a way to escape. Now, how would you know that? You got to spend time and, and give you a plan. We don't, sometimes we don't preach about this on, in churches. We should. This is what they try to tell the guys in the NFL. But yeah, we got it. And I'm glad character is well. Character needs to come back to the body of Christ. But we all got to acknowledge what we fell at. Now, you see, Joseph suffers for doing what's right, but God turned the evil done to him into a blessing. He went to the prison, and he became the leader again. Part of us keep an eye on him. He didn't lose track of him. One thing I wrote down, when we're going through something, we don't understand it. You know, God really wants us to develop our character to advance his kingdom. He wants to develop our character to advance his kingdom. And I don't know who I'm talking, you know, everyone out here, I don't know where you are personally, but I know with King David, if you look at um, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4, you'll see a man, after he was discovered, pour his heart out to God, saying how sorry he was, how he truly repented. And I wrote this down. I got this out of the Baker's Bible Commentary. It says about guilt. Guilt will override us to make us say we're sorry. But this is, why we, this is our reasoning sometimes. Guilt means that we are sorry for our sins because we know that they are ruining our lives and keep us out of heaven. So I'll do the right thing to stay in heaven. But godly sorrow means we are sorry for our sins. Because we know that we grieve the heart of God. And that filter of Christ in me, I don't want to grieve him. 
And that's what he's talking about. This one area that we have to be watchful and on guard every single day, every minute of the day to make sure we don't fall for it. Because one decision will destroy a family. It'll destroy your kids and your kids' kids. Because they see you operating in that environment, they will do it. And I'm here to tell you, it's a trap that you can walk into all the time because he's out there looking all the time, looking, 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 looking. But here's the good news. When I was preparing for this, I thought about the Old Testament first. I said, as the Lord was with Joseph, because we are just a cliche, as the Lord was with Joseph, he is with you. But then I looked at the New, New Testament covenant. That as the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord is not only with us, he's in us. As that check to say, no, no, run, call, read, come close to me, get far away from that. Whatever that bridge is, kill that bridge. If you need help, find some people to help you off that bridge because it's an everyday thing. And those who know Jesus have a personal relationship with him to the max can fall for this. And those who don't know, he is still with you, really rooting for you. Give you an example. 30, oh, 25 years ago, my son was born. In the hospital. Now, I knew God because I was Lutheran, but Miss Donna knew God for real. That's the reason she blamed her if you don't like me. Sorry. Um, and it was a, a difficult birth. And at the end, I'm standing there, and the doctor says this Who do you want me to save, her or him? I said, what? I don't know how much Atlanta I had. Stomach was messed up. It was 13, 14 hours. I said, both. Now, I could have felt like, God, you know, I hope that I got to do, if I got to do seven Hail Marys for me to, to hear me. I felt something. I said, both. I'll go. And I said, where do you want me to go? She said, go with him. I'll be okay. And the doctor said, I don't know who's. I said, you do both. And I went, to, I went with Sterling down there and did what I did, and I went to the chapel and prayed. Now, did I deserve to pray? No. Did he have to hear me? No. But he wanted to hear me because he loves me. And those who are outside of God, don't. he's some big ogre. He's not. If you don't know him, he's, that's the reason why you're here today. Because he wants you to win. He wants you to come to have a great relationship with him. He doesn't want you to have an external relationship. He wants you there with him. And through that prayer, that crazy prayer, he answered it. Because he knew back when I was a young kid and I asked for this. Was it easy? No. But as a person who was on the outskirts of God, he was a good concept, but he really wasn't my Lord and Savior. He still answered it. That means the Lord was with me through that. 
to show me his goodness. And by golly, after that, I knew exactly who, who got them through. Had nothing to do with my prayer. It had it all about the mercy and the love of God. If I'm talking to you this morning, get your life right with Jesus. Don't be on the outskirts and just, ex- and just really just experience walking along. Get them on the inside of you so you know you're directed to the right spots and you're on the right spot for your destiny. And when you, and when you have these issues, whatever they are, these things, you have someone inside of you equipping you and helping you. And that, you know what comes with the deal? People come with the deal. You have Christ. You have that relationship, then you have other relationships who help you through those things. And say, it's going to be okay, brother. How you doing? You need to hear that. Trying to work it out on our own. We don't do well with that. That's why the story is in here. In our worst times, we could be on the tempting point and make a decision that will destroy so many things and people and people, things and people. Think about that. Young people, think about that. Teenagers, one decision away sometime. They're in high school trying to live pure. And things happen. No one warned them. And society today is all about getting our own. And we got to get away from that. The children that we have on our left and on our right, we need to raise them up. As, as things are starting to get to the right spot, they need to know there's a God in heaven who loves them and who has a destiny for them. And they're going to hear it out of your mouth. Not from the children's church, from you. We're secondary. You're the first. College students, you have a destiny all over you and ahead of you. Adults, this thing will trip it up. And you see how Satan waits to you at your highest level where you have the highest influence. So when you fall, a lot of people fall. We had a president of the United States. He could have did that when he was a governor. He waited till he was the president of the United States to take a nation down so they could start questioning what this thing really means. It was split. Was it an affair or was it this? Was it sex or was it that? Now we all question. I don't think that's sex. The influence and the kingdom of God saying, let's bring it back the way it ought to be. There's no one can say, I got this thing mastered because it's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, second-to-second thing. Everybody, hey, Bell, let me pray for you.